Hey guys, Future Jake here. Well, present Jake for me, past Jake for you, and future Jake for the Jake you're going to hear in this recording. A uh, couple of housekeeping things. One, we recorded an episode on Jamie. We didn't like it, so we're not releasing it. Um, we love Jamie. Everyone loves Jamie. We watched the War Games for his episode. We love the War Games. Everyone loves the War Games. We'll talk about them plenty in this episode. Number two, we have guests on this episode, Ollie and Lily from the Companion Piece podcast. We had some audio issues, as anyone will, when you have some guests that are from the other side of the world. So for the first 10 minutes, Ollie wasn't recording. <laughs> so you'll hear us ask a question, Alex and I, and then hear us answer it, because Ollie and Lily said some stuff, and then threw it back to us, and we answered. But none of that was recorded. So it kind of seems like we're asking a question just to answer it. And lastly, Lily's recording was really weird. It kept cutting in the middle of sentences for her. Not like there would just be silence, but that it would just skip ahead to something she was saying later. So sometimes I left it in because you could still kind of tell what she was meaning to say. But sometimes I had to take it out because it was just too difficult to tell what she was talking about. Um, so sometimes she's not in like a large chunk of the conversation. Um, or sometimes again, it sounds like we're answering a question that we just asked ourselves. Anyway, we had a great time recording with them. Uh, we recorded for two and a half hours. I think we edited it down to an hour and 45 minutes. So it's a really long episode. I hope you enjoy it when we rank 60s companions with Ollie and Lily from the Companion Peace podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to Brothers and Who, a Married to Who spin-off podcast in which me, Jake, and my brother Alex watch Classic Who in whatever order we want. We're currently going through all of the Classic Companions by watching either their or both their first and last episodes. Alex, we've finished the 60s. Mm -hmm. We're done with all the 60s Companions. I feel like it's a good cutoff point to have a minor little special episode here where we're going to rank all the 60s Companions. And in order to do so... Brought some friends along to help us out. hey -o. And who better for talking about companions than the hosts of the Companion Peace podcast? It's Ollie and Lily. Hello. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us. So what we're going to do here is, throughout the last week, I've asked our friends on Twitter to give us their top five 60s companions. And I've used their list to kind of come up with like a numbering system. So whoever they gave first place, I gave five points. Whoever they gave fourth place, I gave four points. Or second place, I gave four points, etc. And so I've come up with a list. And we'll compare that against our list. So as we go through, we'll kind of, you know, as, as I say, like their 10th companion was this. We'll just talk about that companion and kind of where it fell on your list and how you feel about that companion in general. Nice. Lily and Ollie, how did you find making your list? Was it uh, pretty easy or did you have a tough time? 
Yeah. Very hard putting someone at the bottom, let's be honest. <laughs> I found that it was very easy to kind of make a top half and a bottom half. And then from there, it got a little tough. But like the top five versus the bottom six was wasn't very difficult. Alex, how do you find it? Well, I was just, yeah, I think uh, for me, since, you know, all of you guys have seen Classic Who quite a bit, and this is kind of my first run through on Classic Who, and the format that Jake and I have been doing this um, kind of lends itself to just have a standing ranking, and mainly because we kind of talk about it at the end of every companion is, where would you rank this with the other one? So I already had kind of like... Uh, a template, I guess, of like where I was going to put everyone anyway. So it wasn't, you know, overly difficult, but, you know, I, I could see if, if you, if you watch this show and then all of a sudden it's like, well, where would you put everybody? Then, you know, that, that could be a, a lengthy uh, decision. Alex and I didn't include anyone that we didn't do an episode for, for the podcast. So we have 11 companions. Now that does leave out two very obvious ones in Sarah Kingdom and Katarina. Is that her name? Do you guys have any experience with Sarah Kingdom or Katarina? Yes, but I confess that other than Big Sarah, which I know quite well, Katarina, I don't really remember. (laughs) Sorry, Katarina. I'm sorry. <laughs> the first couple, relatively easy. I think the bottom was relatively easy as well because I've only seen a f- I haven't seen as much classic who as, as Little House, so it was a lot easier that way. But it's when you get to the middle, it's like are these. There's not a lot to dis- distinguish between. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. I mean, I guess it's hard to. It's easy to do number one, isn't it? Usually speaking, and then. By the time you get to, ah, who do I put at the bottom? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so I feel so mean. That's, yeah, that's it. I mean, right at the bottom of mine, I've got the ones that like we don't know a lot about anyway because there's only a single episode or a few episodes of them. Um, right. But the others, well, that I've seen a lot more of, I'm like, yeah. Well, having said that, it's like. Lily's Faithful, I thought was number two, so I'm, I'm fully expecting you to have that as number one. Though, but there you go. I'm curious where my list is going to line up with you all, because um, you just said like your bottom is the ones you haven't seen much, but I've only seen one or two of all of them. So that's the it'll thing. be interesting. That's yeah. what I did when when Jake suggested this. I was like, oh, oh, I need to have this week of watching as much of this as I can. So I've seen like <laughs> one or two episodes of everybody. That's the issue. I've been trying to do that in our journey here through the companions is in the, you know, we have like our two episodes that we watch for each one. I try to watch some of the ones in the middle. Um, but then sometimes you get to the web planet and you're like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough. It's one of the ones that people really defend if they like it, but yeah. if they don't, I, then... I might be a bit yeah. of a defender. I might be. A bit well, of I really defender, should watch I mean. it <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I say that having just bought the big finished sequel to it because it was in the sale, going, oh, I'll actually have to give it a go. Oh, yeah, there is one. Yeah, I only watched it once, and it was like 11 years ago, so maybe <laughs> I maybe I should give it another shot. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You never know. I think it's I never watched... I watched a lot more 
like fourth, fifth, and sixth Doctor Classic Who than than early sixties. So this has been quite a good excuse just to binge my way through <laughs> Classic Who. Yeah, I, I find going through the sixties that uh, my kind of my top rankings kind of change depending on who we're watching. Like yeah. when we were going through the first two seasons. I was like, well, how could it be anyone but these people? Yeah. And then you get to the second doctor and you're like, nope, I'm, I'm out. It's these people now. Yeah, I know. I remember exactly what you said when we put our feelers out for the first, for our pilot. And it's this. No, it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of your guys' podcast, Companion Piece. Yes. Uh, you do talk a lot about Big Finish and some of the various novels throughout the years. So how much does that play into your rankings of the companions? The the extended media, I should say. I definitely think it's just changed mine around, given like I got a lot of novels that I haven't even read that I'm using the podcast and it's used to, but I read a lot of Ben novels for our Ben episode and it's pushed him up a bit. But then I read the Jamie ones or the Stephen ones or listen, especially the, the big finish, the Stephen and the Jamie ones, purely on the basis that I love Fraser Hines so much that I'm just like, yeah, that's, I kind of have to give some to him. <laughs> um, but no, it's the more big finish of the ones I haven't seen kind of, that will push them up. Even if I've not seen a lot yeah, of their TV. I can agree with that. I yeah. think for some more than others though. I mean, for me, for example, I don't have, oddly enough, I don't have that much big finish that he's in. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. So for me, I mean, I've been a Jamie fan for quite a while anyway, so it didn't really impact. I, mm, yeah. yeah, he was one of the first ones, one of the first mm. big finish I watched, was, I listened was a Jamie. And does he do a ton of them? I know he... Yeah. I know Fraser Hines <laughs> does the second Doctor in a lot of stories. That's the thing. Whenever it's a second Doctor story that, that he's in, he doubles up. Otherwise, it's a, like a narrator. But I think... I don't know if it's just because of what I've listened to. But as far as I'm aware, there's a lot of Fraser Hines ones. Because there's ones oh, that he's in, yeah, which are that. sixth Doctor ones as well. Oh. Um. Not to... Yeah. Not to spoil it for anyone who hasn't listened. I'll be... You know, but there are sixth Doctor ones with Jamie and there's a couple of other ones where they've mixed the companions and the doctors up. Um, but yeah, there's a fair few Fraser Hines ones. And I think he was the first, if he wasn't the first, it was one of the very first big finishes I listened, listened to was a second doctor and Jamie one. So it's kind of cemented him as quite an important one to me, even though I haven't seen a lot of him on TV. On well, Fraser Hines too, doesn't he narrate a lot of like the, um, the missing episodes, like just the the audio that they put out. I think he's, Lil was probably better Ooh. to ask than me, to be honest. I've got them. I haven't listened to them. What What do you remember, Lil? I think I think he might do some, but the ones that I've heard are either William Russell or Peter Purvis. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I can imagine Fraser might very well have. It 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 would yeah it would seem likely, <laughs> I'll say. But I don't. I can't even think if I've got any of the missing link narrations that are Patrick Troughton. I don't know. Uh, I do know where you're coming from with the, the big finish stuff kind of changing your view on companions. Cause it's definitely done it for me with the doctors. Cause I came, I came at the six doctor through big finish first before I ever saw any six doctor stories. And so when it came time oh. to watch his seasons, I kind of already understood what he was trying to do with the character. 
And so some of the stories that people point at as being like, oh, I don't like the doctor, the sixth doctor, because yeah. of him being abrasive or the way he is in this story or that story. I, by the time I got to them, I thought it was great because I kind of already understood the character. Mm. Well, I remember you tweeting about watching Twin Dilemma. So I know what you mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think the first thing is the first classic who I ever watched was um, Revelation of the Daleks, which was Colin Baker. So I that's a, like one that he's a bit more rounded in. So yeah, I can see what you mean with that. Especially him on Big Finish is a lot, he's a lot more, um, they've expanded on him a lot more. Yeah. And I think the companion he's with is important. Like, mm. you know, Mel was kind of specifically created to butt heads with him in a way that in Big Finish, um, gosh, I'm totally blanking on her name. Evelyn? The Yeah, the way that Evelyn kind of works with him better than yeah. any on-screen companion. I think, uh, yeah, it's it's especially... Because we are going to do, not going to like reveal our secrets too quickly, but we are going to do a Big Finish specific episode in the next few weeks. So it's, it'll be quite nice to see what people think of Big Finish companions and how they compare to TV companions mm. and actual Ooh, TV nice. companions on Big Finish. That, that, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm I'm rambling too much and kind of taking us away from the point <laughs> of this, but it's, it's, it's just so much fun to talk to you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's been a year since we've met strangers. Oh, I know. The only strangers <laughs> I've got are customers at work, and believe me, that's not the same. Right. Totally. Tell me about it. Although I, I do get customers calling me, and they just, they just want to talk, and you just got to listen for 45 minutes. Fair enough. Well, should we get to the list then? Yeah, let's see what we got. Okay, yeah. so I put out to Twitter, give me your top five uh, 60s companions. If anyone vote, whoever they voted first, I gave five points. Whoever they vote second, I gave four points. And I made a 1 to 11 list. Outside of that list, we did get one fifth place vote for Sarah Kingdom. Alex and I did not listen or did not watch Dalek Master Plan. So we know nothing of Sarah Kingdom or Katarina. Both who met very horrible deaths in that story. Yeah. Just a bit, yeah. I mean, do you guys have any experience with that? <laughs> oh, dear. I've not seen anything from any of them. Lily, you've listened to all the Sarah Kingdom big finishes, haven't you? Uh, I've as listened far as I'm aware. to the trilogy that they did and the Anachronauts yeah. as well, which is a Steve and Sarah one. And I wish there was more because they're really good and there's some I need to get. Um, I've listened to one of the short trips they did, but that wasn't. The same actress. Um, no, Kata was in. What, what was the big finish she was in? Because I haven't listened to that yet. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, Daughter yeah. of the Gods. Wasn't so it? I don't know how good that was. Yeah, I say because I'm a massive nerd. Um, yeah, no, I've got it, but I haven't. Um, I haven't listened to that yet either. We're doing well on Katarina. So I've I've put them right at the bottom of my list. Yeah. How do they fit her stories in? Are they just like? in that time of the Dalek Master Plan? I think so. Because the Sarah Kingdom trilogy is like, they, one, they're all straight after one yeah, another. Yeah, it's... So the stories that she tells are from, yeah, in between a certain bit of the Dalek's Master Plan, I can't remember where, but then it's told from another perspective that I won't, I won't give away, because it's really good. But... Um, I can't remember exactly where they fit in. It must be somewhere in in the middle of the Daleks' master plan. Yeah. 
think I mean I think there might be one that's set somewhere around the Feast of Stephen. I'll I'll have to watch it one day. Just watch one of the recons, but or by one day I mean one month. There's no way I'll be able to do twelve episodes of a recon <laughs> in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I struggle with the war games, and that's ten. So yeah, I have to watch seven episodes of it before we record our podcast on Jamie tomorrow. And I'm, I'm going to have to watch it standing up so I don't fall asleep. (laughs) Oh, that is going to be a hell of an episode when we get to Jamie. Purely on the basis that I feel like we should message, you know, our mutual friend and see if, see if she fancies having a chat about him. (laughs) Oh, that'd be great. We're going to plan. It's like that and Sarah Jane are going to be massive. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Speaking of that mutual friend, I think she's the one that gave us the Sarah Kingdom vote. Wouldn't surprise legend. me. Legend, legend. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I. <laughs> All right. Having said, I'm not spoiling it. She'll be very happy with my list. I'm just. Gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'll be very happy with everybody's list. Um, yeah. So, of the eleven remaining, then we'll give Sarah Kingdom number twelve. Then, um, fair enough. But in eleventh place, we did have one companion get zero votes oh no did it make anybody's <laughs> top five anyone want to have a guess who that is victoria dojo no. oh oh come on. okay uh yeah i've got dodo at the bottom of mine yeah it's dodo oh, oh no so little socks <laughs> yeah from <laughs> jackie lane i mean i've seen two of her stories and one of them she's in like two episodes and that's it yeah yeah She's she's also at the bottom of my uh, She's yeah. I think it's, it's, she's very good at what she does, and what she does is several different accents <laughs> over the course of several different episodes. But there you go. Uh, Lily, where'd you say she is on your list? Uh, she's penultimate on mine, so Katarina's at the bottom of mine. Okay. I'm sorry, Katarina, and then she comes just above that. Oh yeah, I was going to say one of her best stories. I well in my in my yeah in my head. Is like the gunfighters, but lots of people don't like the gunfighters. But I think she's really great in it, and I think she's really fun. So I loved it. Oh, it, it's a hoot! It is a hoot. <laughs> I also think she's really fun in it. But yeah. for a whole episode, they just tell her to go to her room. Yeah, yeah. And That's she just true. goes upstairs <laughs> and then hangs um, out. Yeah. Yeah. I do like her interactions with Doc Holliday, though, oh. later in yeah. the story. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's the thing. I haven't, I haven't got that one, so I didn't watch it. I'm gonna go by the DVDs I have, I own. But um, I, I saw what was the one I saw first when we were doing, when we were doing Ben, because I watched the War Machines. That's her last one, and then I went back and watched the arc. But I will say that the way her like arc or her character gets written out definitely influenced her place on my list given it's very much just like yeah oh and she's gone yeah very <laughs> unceremoniously <laughs> they set her off to the country like so many children's dead pets <laughs> yeah so she had a headache for a couple of episodes. let's get her to the countryside and i'll help her but maybe in a year or so we'll have different opinions because mm. dodo's getting a big finish run coming up she is yes yeah but not Jackie Lane, right? Yeah, no. she's never done... Is she, is she, I don't know if she's done any Doctor Who stuff. She's never done Big Finish. She's done any Doctor Who stuff at all. I don't think so. She was at... Was it the 50th, I think, she made an appearance somewhere? But 
Otherwise, no, she's been in a few audios with people. And I mean, they're really good. Like the War to End All Wars she's in and Mother yeah. Russia, I think. And I can't remember. Yes, Mother Russia is a good one. I liked her in that. Yeah. I'll have to check some of those out. Um, I watched her Mythmakers interview and she briefly talked about doing conventions or she did like a couple and then was like, that's good. I don't need to ever do any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. I can imagine they're going to be a lot for some people, especially if she's not that like she's done. There's a one job she's done and everyone's talking about it. And she wants to do other stuff. Fair enough. Right. And if you ever get a chance to watch that interview, like all she ever wanted to do is be an actor. And then after Doctor Who, she kind of wasn't allowed to be like the business just kind of spit her out and i think she's not like super excited about it i can imagine i was it her lily or no was it her that the producer wrote her out because her contract ended and then like went back and had to apologize to her in later life because they didn't actually give her an ending that there is something like that with uh yeah in lloyd where yeah, because she, she was an yes. agent, I think, like, or something. And he went to her to get work yeah. or something. And she, and she was just like, well, get out. <laughs> well, she probably didn't say that because she's polite. But, like, <laughs> but, like, but I, like, I don't, don't yeah, I think that was a particular contract she uh, refused point blank to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I kind of I mean, get where he's coming from because yeah. he takes over the show. There's two companions that he did not hire. And he kind of wants to make the show the way that he wants. And what he wanted was Ben and Polly. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you've got them paired up, as as they did with Ian and Barbara, and as they do all the time, um, you don't really want the third, essentially a third wheel hanging around taking a story when they're trying to focus on a pair of companions. Until a few stories later when he immediately hires a third wheel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I guess the thing, I guess from what Stephen had gone, and quite a few Ian and Barbara, apart from Polly and Ben, later on, and it, it was a bit, it's a bit tricky with Dodo because everyone else had left and moved on, and she was by herself. Mm-hmm. Well, and the story goes that like her contract ended after that second episode, mm. and so they're just like, well, mm. let's just write her out instead of like going through the process. But for William Hartnell, he did the first two stories of season four kind of with a a guest actor contract, even though he was the main character in the show. They could easily have done something like that. Yeah, I think it's, I'd imagine it's a little bit different for them during like, this is the star of yeah. our show. Let's give him a contract. And they're like, eh, we've already got companions. Not that that's what they should have done. But, you know, I imagine that's the way it worked. Well, I think we better move on or we will literally be here all day, Um, (laughs) which is fine for us. It's only 2 p.m. here. (laughs) Well, next, this companion got two fifth place votes and a fourth place vote. In 10th place is Victoria. Ooh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. She's a lot higher in my list. Well, not a lot. She's significantly higher, but not not an awful lot. And mine. Yeah. Having said that, you are a staunch defender of her, Lil, so yeah, I would have expected yeah. that from you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I may be a little bit biased. Mm. I, I had her I had her dead last for me. <laughs> wow, just, okay, just, fair enough. Just because, I've, you know, like I said, I've only seen two episodes, 
Um, and in those episodes, she wasn't given much to do. <laughs> like she was just kind of around. So <laughs> that's fair. Out of curiosity, now I'm curious which ones you have seen with Owen. Yes, yeah, so am I. Uh, do you remember? We watched Fury from the Deep and yeah. Um, her last one, the the suds with the that's Fury from the Deep. Oh, that's, that's Fury. Oh, that's Fury. <laughs> um, what's the Cyberman one she was in? Tomb. Oh. Tomb. Yeah, we did tomb. Yeah. 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 And I see your point, to be honest. <laughs> well, Tomb, she gets a little bit to do. She's up. She was controlling the control room, I guess. Yeah, she's but... up on the main floor with kind of the main antagonist. And they're kind of having like a battle of wit some of the time. Mm-hmm. But in Fury from the yeah. Deep, that story was written not as a Doctor Who story, but as a separate radio play. And when the Doctor Who <laughs> characters are kind of inserted into it, they're very much apart from the main rest of the story. And so Victoria spends a lot of time just kind of wandering around by herself. I mean, I think it's the one story in which having a companion who screams all of the time, and I say that in, with all due respect, <laughs> yeah. um, is, is vital to the plot. Yeah, I only learned that the other day when I watched it. So I binged a lot of Classic Who for, for this episode, uh, and I watched Fury, and then I read up on it. So I only learned that the other day, that it wasn't an episode of Who, it was like a radio drama. And now, because I've got the Blu-ray, I kind of want to listen to the radio drama that's on there to see how different it is or how, how much the same it is. Oh, they put it on there? Like, could you could you have taken it? Yeah. So I, awesome. I have the Steelbook, so it should be in there. Um, yeah, it's, it is it is on there, but I think you have to... Actually, give me a second, and I will find it, because I can see it. Yeah, I've got the Steelbook as well, because, you know, they get announced and I immediately buy them and they have no money. Same! Um, yeah. It's on there. Yeah, it's almost as if I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, yeah, the original original audio drama is on there. So I'm curious if you took the companions out. I imagine there's like a. Am I right in thinking that's the one that Roger Delgado was in, or am I talking in the radio play? If it yes, I've got the booklet here. Um, yeah, Roger Delgado played the Doctor character in it, like the one who defeats the the mud. Oh. It's not it's not seaweed. It's mud. So that's I I remember that yeah but that's on there so I'm curious if you took away the the companions would they be would it be the same story if it was just the Doctor by himself I mean it's gonna be very very strange if you listen to it and it's like the Master talking and he's actually being a good guy but there you go <laughs> well I also for our Victoria episode we did a few weeks back um I also watched uh, Enemy of the World and Web of Fear and. That's why Victoria's number 10 for me. She doesn't do anything in either of those either. And there are female yeah. characters in those stories that kind of become the female lead and just really outshine her. I debated watching Enemy in the World instead of Fury. And then um, Elliot, who's big Finnish listener on Twitter, he told me not to watch Enemy in the World and watch Fury instead. What? So I did. Yeah. Because uh, I, on- I only had time to fit one in because I was doing, trying to do one a day this week. Mm. Um, which one do I go for? But Fury, I think, is more Victoria-centric. Yeah, for sure. So, Lily, you have her a little higher than the rest of us. What uh, What are your thoughts on Victoria? I mean, I I think... I don't know, I think a bit, sometimes a bit like Susan, I think Screamer. I don't know, I've always loved her scenes with... Her scenes in Tomb of the Cybermen with the... Captain and we Captain Hopper as well because I was thinking they're quite funny. Yeah. Um, but I think I think when she wants to be, Victoria can stand on her own two feet and be brave if she wants. You say there are some 
bits where she doesn't really get to do anything, which is perhaps a shame. And it's a little weird that she's left with a family 140 years in her future or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I guess the thing is that, do you you guys know a bit about Eve? Is it Evil of the Daleks? Because she, I don't think, because isn't her father, didn't he get killed by the Daleks? I think. So she, in effect, can't go go back. I think it's a kinder ending than just dumping her back where she came from without a family. Yeah. I guess in a way, though, maybe that's what she wanted. I don't know. Like, she just... <laughs> uh, like, she just slowly, over the course of the six episodes, just gets more and more depressed about what's yeah. happening. Yeah, and that's something I really like about her character, is that she does kind of have an emotional arc during her time. Mm. It's just that the arc is that she can't take it. And she just needs to stop. Mm. It, it's essentially, and I'm trying. I don't want to spoil anything people haven't watched, but it's essentially like Tegan's arc, but more streamlined. It's like over, not streamlined. You know, it's over less episodes mm. of just. It's slowly realizing it's not very yeah. fun anymore. Right. At least in the past, she was like an aristocrat and had a yeah. castle and service. Yeah, I was going to say her her sensibilities <laughs> as well. Perhaps have something to do with. The way she she's very much a, la- a sort of lady, isn't she, Victoria? <laughs> I think in uh, or whatever. So I think it's a yeah. bit. Well, she is when you compare her to Jamie, especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, to bring it back to the MythMakers interviews, hers is excellent because she's very positive about her time on Doctor Who. And around the time of her interview, she just started doing the convention circuit, and she absolutely loves it. And so she's. Mm. Very positive about like continuing to do the conventions and interact with fans. Yeah, yeah to make you all jealous, unless anyone unless anyone else met Debs, I did show in twenty. Ooh, Ooh nice. What was it? Twenty six. It was yeah, twenty sixteen. She was lovely, and you could you could tell very much that she did enjoy it and loved Pat especially. And it's, I also think it's nice she gets to work with her dad as well a little bit. Because yeah. I think their relationship is nice. Even if he's playing Professor Travers and she's playing Victoria, I relationship on screen, I think it's really nice. Again, to bring up her Mythmakers interview, he's on it too. Like They kind of interview them both oh, together. Cool. And it's it's really sweet. Aww. I need to get hold of all of the Mythmakers. I haven't, got, I haven't watched any of them. I haven't got any of them. There is a website called like Travel TV or Travel.TV or something like that that has all of them and you can you can rent them as like a 3.99 rental that's what i've been doing or they do like a a print to order dvd that you can buy yeah well i managed to get hold of some really old doctor who magazines the other day and like the ones that are only a few years old instead of like 40 years old i've always got a load of adverts for them in i was like, oh, i should have got them when i had the chance is it on actual deep like now i have to order them especially yeah mm. no i will eventually they'll be useful for the podcast I think. yeah they are really great and it kind of lets you know especially from the 60s uh, actors that we've been going through just kind of the impact that dr had on their lives and then kind of a 20-year gap before like the whole convention circuit thing really took off um, particularly in America, they all seem very surprised that anyone in America has ever even seen the show. <laughs> and it's it's just like this new life that's given to, at this point, some pretty elderly actors. Oh, I can imagine, actually. Yeah. Well, I don't know if anyone has. I know Lily hasn't. But if you've heard um, or read 
uh, Nicholas Courtney's memoirs, there's a whole bit in there about going to American conventions and how on earth do the Americans know about this niche little British <laughs> show? I'll have to. I'm, I'm very okay. intrigued. I'll have to get that. They're on their big finish. They're like they're not very expensive. Oh, okay. And they're always in the sales, and they do like audiobook, not like proper big finish. Right. Audiobook sales are always in there. It's worth listening to. We have a tie at ninth place. We'll go first through this person got two fifth place votes and someone voted this companion first. Number one. But number nine for us is Susan. Susan. All right. Yeah, that is significantly lower than mine. <laughs> she was number three at mine. Ooh. And four and four on mine. Oh, well, let's see where Alex has her. I, I put her seventh. Seven. Uh, and that's sh- that's purely because her first episode is really good, but then she wasn't give- again given <laughs> much to do after that. So, yeah, yeah, mm, it's true. And I'm gonna turn it over to you guys to kind of sing her praises, but I have her eighth. And after listening to your podcast on her, I have gone and listened to a couple of her uh, big finish where she is older Susan, like with a son, mm. and those are really good. And I think she's fantastic in them. She is. I think the more, like the more of her life you you listen to and you watch, the better she becomes. Because I can I see exactly what people mean when they say she's good in the first one, and then she tends to get the bit parts in other like Marco Polo and Sensorite. She gets a fair bit to do, but then other times she's just written out essentially. That's mm. so you know. If if you listen to the big finishes, it's different. I think I said that about was it the keys of Marinus? I think where I was like where I was a bit like I genuinely yeah. don't remember her in it really apart from getting kidnapped <laughs> by uh, what's yeah, her face? Yeah, it was I very much always yeah. She got kidnapped. <laughs> they had to go and save her. She did this. They had to go and save her. Well, and right before that, she legitimately had a holiday, so she took off like episode three, and then comes back to immediately just oh. be kidnapped. That that might explain. It was like she's so absent. To be fair. Yeah. yeah, it would make I sense. That. That's the thing. Whenever you do a big finishes, it's always she does all of this. When she's on telly, it's she's doing something. We're not quite sure what it is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we asked Twitter, like, what episode should we watch for our Susan episode? Because we had already seen her first and final stories. And yeah. it was overwhelmingly the sensorites. And so we mm. watch it and it starts off with Susan, like, really taking the reins and being the Susan that I know Caroline Ford wanted her to be. And immediately after she kind of has this big moment, she's just slapped down by the doctor and is (laughs) just out of the rest of the story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. She's, she's in it and she doesn't do anything other than just like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, you should have done that. Or, you know, it's, it's more back to what she normally is. And like we said, and that's why we chose the, um, Susan's War as our listen for the podcast because she gets a lot to do in that one and it's like a direct sequel to the Sensorites. So you can see where she comes from. But like, obviously I don't want to spoil it for you, Jake, if you've only heard. Because I think you said you listened to Relative Dimensions, but I don't want to spoil yeah. the later on ones for you. Well, I do know in that story she does go back to the Sense Sphere to kind of like juice up her mind powers so she can go, <laughs> you know, help out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. The thing is, it's it's like the same rule as we use on the podcast. We won't spoil anything that's relatively new. 
Um, but that's really good for her, not even like character development, just character, just stuff she does. And especially her interactions with Paul McGann. I think that works really well to have her with an older, like an older Susan with an older Doctor who acts significantly younger. Yeah. It's quite a, it's quite a nice difference. And after listening to your guys' uh, Susan podcast, I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to every Susan and the Eighth Doctor audio. And I've only done two, but I am working on the rest. The problem is you guys keep coming out with more podcast episodes, and then now, now I want to listen to <laughs> oh, Ben's well, stuff. I'm sure we can apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, slow down a little bit. Give me some time. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I said ninth place was a tie. Um, Susan was tied with the person who got... A second place vote, a fourth place, and a fifth place. Ben Jackson. Ah. Wow. <sighs> I mean, I can't complain really because he's at eight on mine. But even so, he. I feel like I should defend him yeah, for some he's, reason. He's nine on mine, and which seems really mean because I really like Ben. But like, <laughs> you you really sang his praises in your most recent podcast. Yeah. Having said that, he's not got many episodes, has he? He's got War Machines, and then everything else is partially missing, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I think that was the hard part for us. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, the novels are very good. That's what kind of swayed me for the podcast, is I, li- I read three of the Ben novels and a couple of the oh. li- uh, big finishes. Having said that, th- I, listened, I read three, and two out of the three were essentially a Doctor Who murder mystery. So it was also like, I quite like that anyway. Nice. So I'm not sure if it was the character or the story, but yeah. I really, I think of of all the missing stories, the macro terror is probably right up there with stories I wish existed or that they would find. Yes. Because um, I think from everything I hear, uh, Michael Craze is acting his socks off in that story. And some of it's just mm-hmm. kind of lost in the animation. Yeah, it's... I'd, I don't want to speak badly of anyone who works with Who at all, but sometimes the animations lack a little bit with the facial expressions, which are quite important in acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Well, and we've seen quite a bit of Second Doctor animation now, and that's like his shtick, is like his facial expressions, and if you can't animate that, then... Yeah, if you take away Patrick Troughton's face from his acting, mm. it uh, it's most of what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we went through all the Dalek stories, and I had Power of the Daleks as my least favorite out of every classic Dalek story. And I think it's because of the animation. I just can't. I can't do it. Yeah, I can I can see that, to be honest, because it's a good story, but it's very much the same. The faces rarely change. So even if they're being, like, shot at, it's like, okay. Yeah. They don't, they don't seem to care. Um, but no, I, I like the story, but yeah. I do like the stories that are... Uh, like hybrid, like they have some episodes, but then they animate the others. Those are a little bit more yes. digest- d- digestible for me. What's yeah. that? Was it faceless ones? I think it's faceless ones where there's two complete episodes. Yeah, I think it's one and three. Yeah, so you get it, it's it's still good, but it's just um, yeah. It would a lot of them. Having said that, I, I want all of them to be found, but a lot of them would mm. help a lot with actual yeah facial expressions and actual. Mm-hmm. Acting, if and if not just animation, and I, I've said it before on here, but in those stories, like the invasion, where they do have a couple live action episodes and they animate the rest, 
it kind of forces the animator's hand to make the story look like it did when it originally aired because they are running alongside the actual episodes that exist. Yeah. And in something like Macro Terror, where they have no existing episodes, the animators just go wild and do whatever they want. And they create these gigantic sets and huge yeah. buildings that you know it didn't look like that at all because there's no way they could have done it like that. <laughs> yeah. And so well, for yeah, me, it immediately takes me out. Having said that, having said what you've said about wanting um, the Macro Terror back, it will be really atmospheric and effective, but at the same time, the scene on the animation where they're surrounded by macro and in real life, where it was a single prop yeah, right. in yeah. some fog, <laughs> it won't necessarily have the same effect. But, you know, I've just got the image of one guy with a stick with a claw on it just trying to make <laughs> yeah. it scary. I don't think you're far off. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I had Ben higher than all of you. I had him at number six as kind of like the top of the bottom half i i could yeah yeah what about i have him down what's what's my Makes list sense. you had him fifth yeah okay yeah because I, I i liked ben and he for me he was you know we talked about this he's pulling mm. kind of double duty like playing the ian ish and barbara ish character together like, that, that was steven Oh, that was Steven. Up oh, I'm we'll get to him soon. Oh, Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we watched for our Ben episode, we watched the War Machines, and he's really good in that. Like, he, he's he charming. He snaps to action. He's, you know, he's very concerned about Polly, not just, like, not in a way where it feels like he fancies her, but in that she did him a solid. Like, she saved him, even though she was under the influence, and he's, he owes her one. And it, yeah. you don't get that. He's just like, oh, she's really pretty. I need to go save her. It doesn't feel like that at all. No, it, that's, that's true. I mean, like I said, I think we've, I think I said this on our episode. At the very beginning, it is a little bit. It's definitely the sixties. It's very much of its time. Um, but he very quickly changes from. I'm saying all this having put him, you know, eighth on my <laughs> list. He very quickly. Um, I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> I feel like changing my list as we go along. I feel like I've rated him really unfairly, but like, I think, I think was I not putting him in a list by himself? I'd probably put him equally with Polly, just like Ian and Barbara, really. Kind of have got one with the other. Yeah, I've got them one space away from each other. Well, you've heard it here, folks. Yeah, they come as a the companion piece podcast hates Ben. Um, yeah, it's like Ben Redux. We don't like him anymore. That's, that's the entire podcast. Well, number seven, where she belongs, firmly in front of Ben, is Polly. See, I'm the opposite. I've got Polly Fair at enough. seven and Ben uh, at nine. That wasn't so unrealistic. I, yeah, I had her as number nine. I had her under Ben, but there you go. Yeah, I had her. I had her at nine as well. Thing is, again, I've only seen War Machines and Faceless Ones. So if I'd listened or watched like ones that I would give a bit more backstory or a bit more characterization, I might have put it a bit higher. I remember when I was writing out my list, um, you could see on number five, I had written Polly and then cross it out, put Ben because I was going to do like Polly and Ben. But then I like it came to me as like, oh, she killed the Cybermen with cosmetics and <laughs> i yeah. we will never forget that so that i, I knocked her way down <laughs> what i mean it's, it's, it's ingenuity surely that should push her up yeah fair enough i read seven right behind ben just because i really like the war machines in general 
and I think Ben's mm. fantastic in it. I, w- I will say about those two, like we mentioned on the podcast, it's the most contrived start and end to a companion's run of let's <laughs> run into the TARDIS for no reason. Oh, when we happen to have come back on the exact same day. It's I don't know whether that's taken it away from me. I don't think it has. It just seems very much like I can't watch it without going. That seems like an awfully good coincidence. Yeah. But there you go. Um, there is, on the Faceless Ones animation, um, I don't know if this is in the original, but there's like newspapers laying around that say things like, the war machine's defeated and stuff like that. So it, See, I, I don't think that would have been in the original. People on the basis that they, that is a brilliant touch, but I'm not <laughs> sure they would have put it in. Don't know. Depends who it was, but probably not. Well, they're the same. Don't know, they're though. the same writer, Ian Stewart Black. Yeah. So maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Um, Wouldn't put it past who I used to put in references to that old <laughs> work and stuff. Uh, you guys know I like to categorize my companions into girls, adult women, and sixties punchy boys. And <laughs> fan of the three sixties punchy boys, just. As a result of how great the other two are, just has to kind of be on the bottom of that list. Yeah. That's that's fair. I think when you compare him to... Because Ian was the first. He's quite iconic. Jamie is just Jamie. Let's just... I'm not even going to start because I won't stop. <laughs> and Stephen is Lily, Lily's point to talk about. But yeah, it's <laughs> the lesser of... Oh, we'll, we'll find out soon why things. I do not include Stephen in the 60s Punchy Boys. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is, out of the three categories you gave us, Jake, if he doesn't fit into Punchy Boys, I'm not asking which one he fits into. He's a, he's one of the women. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but we'll talk about that very soon. Lily offended for the rest of the episode. Sorry, Lily. Um, I think we've said all we need to about Polly by the fact that we just talked about Ben the whole time. Yeah. So I, I think that yeah. encapsulates Polly as a character. But I will say... With, with no disrespect. Um, what the... The actor's name that played Polly. Um, uh, Annette Will. Is Annette? Annika, Annika Wills, yeah. Annika Wills. I can never Annika pronounce Wills. her name. Her myth makers is great because she's crazy. <laughs> she just like, after Doctor Who, she went off to India, just kind of floated around. She says that like every five years, she just moves to a different country because she just gets bored of everything so fast and just like has a new career and just kind of flits around the world. And in her interview also, she's kind of just discovered like some, some like fan magazine found her in the northeast corner of canada and like asked the interviewer and she had an awesome time and then did a convention and now she's like oh i might move back to europe and do conventions all the time now i don't know <laughs> fair enough it does make me wonder now then if her moving around all the time kind of inspired i don't know if you've read or listened to any of their big finish but they've they end up um, correct me if i'm wrong Lily, don't they end up like it, founding an orphanage in india that- or something along those lines. It just makes me wonder if her moving to all the different countries kind of influenced what they did with the character in later I time. I feel like that is a Sarah Jane reference, but I guess she's excellent. Annika's big finish. Oh, no, you're right. It was in that Farewell Sarah Jane, wasn't it? Well, That's what it was, I think. Possibly. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> but there's, I love, there's a, a set that they did called the, is it the Companion Specials, I think, where... There's a story with Annika and Nicholas Courtney, and it's really good. Well, I liked it anyway. I liked it. <laughs> Is that the one they split across, like, a stupid number of CDs? E- 
I think it. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I yeah. think it was because there's that, and then Thomas. Because of course yeah. I've got it. Yeah, of course. And then Thomas Brewster crops up. I know yeah, sod all about him. The and then Thomas there's Brewster. quite a good Joe Grant one on there as well. But then again, I'm biased because I really like Joe Grant. But that's another story. But that's pretty good. And the mouthless dead. I really. I mean, like. I've got it up on my phone right now. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Mm. Yeah, I can. I can already spoil my, once we get to the very end and we list all of the companions for Classic Who, like, Joel Grant's already going to win for me. Team! (laughs) Yes. But I'm going to... Do you just tweet that, tag Katie Manning in it and see what happens? I have. She responds. She responds (laughs) to everybody. She's the nicest lady in the world. (laughs) She really is. I have uh, an autograph from her. She's she's great. That's why I miss Twitter. (laughs) You know, I'm really upset. There's there's this um, charity called celestial signings that does ebay auctions yeah and i got a couple things off of them the last time they did a doctor who one because like all the uh, one one of the 80s companions i can't even remember who right now um posted it because all the money was going to her charity which is like to feed homeless dogs in the uk so i was like oh great i so i spent way too much money but they did another one this week and there's a joanna lumley signed picture where she says the real first female doctor I wanted it so badly, and then I had a meeting out of town that I had to go to, and I completely forgot about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we've done, we've all done that. I think with, with eBay. Yeah, I, 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 with I did stuff. that the other day, but not with Doctor Who. Speaking of people that don't count as punchy boys, in sixth place, with a third, two fourths, and two fifth places from our Twitter friends, it's the only male companion who wasn't a punchy boy, Stephen Taylor. Oh Oh yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god. Who I have ninth. Oh. Ninth. Yeah, I I, I have him down as tenth as well. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> See, I've got him as second and I am putting second. money on the fact he's your number one, really. He he might be. <laughs> what have you seen? We're, we're just gonna sit back and let you guys yeah, go, because yeah. first and second is ridiculous. <laughs> 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 he's oh he's my favorite, but I'm probably in a minority. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, oh, I just love Stephen. There's no I probably about Stephen. it. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I love Stephen. Met the guy. He's lovely. Uh, but anyway, that's another story entirely. Um, oh, is he 800 miles tall? <laughs> 800 miles. Well, he's taller than me, but that's not saying much because I'm really sure. <laughs> But he looks like a huge man on screen. Well, yeah. Well, he, in his he stories where he's with tall. Vicky and the first Doctor, he yeah, seems like yeah. a yeah, giant. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love first story, Time Meddler. I love that story. I guess the hard thing about Stephen is it's a bit like some of the other companions. There's quite a few of his stories no longer exist, and so it's a bit like what you're stuck with. You're left with what the gun, for which people either love or despise in equal measure, and then the arc i love the arc some people don't me too and what's the other no, one i think it's a really good story yeah i really like the arc too but he doesn't do anything in the arc well he gets caught he gets put in a cage and then he gets very angry at people getting angry well, at and then he gets sick yeah he he's like don't worry doc i got this and then he doesn't got it <laughs> and then he just gets sick <laughs> uh, i mean he's got I mean, a good yeah, speech i suppose, I suppose in the like... arc yeah yeah i like the fact that I like his relationship with the first Doctor, and I like the fact that you see little bits of the first Doctor sort of rubbing off, like in that. 
and I swear he's got another story, but I can't think of what it is. And that's really rubbish. We've got the time meddler, the art, the gum. Well, he shows up at the end of the chase. Chase. Yeah, because he's he's in it as Morton Dill, isn't he? Or am I, or am I wrong? He is, but Steve then Lewis. he also shows up yeah. as Stephen at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I, I will say, you know, you're bringing up his relationship with the first Doctor. I really like his relationship with Vicky. Unfortunately, it's very short. And I, I think him and Vicky mm, together yeah. are a better team than him and Dodo. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. He's, he's I think, because in the time medley, he's very much, I don't believe a word of this. And Vicky's just trying mm. to, like, convince him, whereas the Doctor just gives up and walks off and meets a load of Saxons or whoever. Yeah. But... I think perhaps so. What's nice about the time back that the doctor sort of there's bits there, and so you get Stephen gets a bit of a chance to establish himself, and Vicky's kind of there, and they work well together. I well, that's what I think anyway. What, what do I know anyhow? Yeah, it's a story told from like in two parts. One part is the doctor and the time meddler being like a duo, and then the other part is Vicky and Stephen kind of coming at the story from a different angle. I think that's a, that's a good illustration of the point, like not trying to make this into our podcast, um, <laughs> but that's the good illustration of how it all works. If you've got the two companions off separately doing their own thing. And I think he does that quite well of just, or even in the time, not so much the arc, but um, he does go, well, I'm going to do all of the investigating. Then I'm going to believe it when I've seen proof. Yeah. Which I think quite, it's quite not. Is it cynical? Is that the right word? You know what I mean? It's just like he wants to have something proved to him before he just takes people's word for it. Well, I think you make a good point about the difference between the Ark and the Time Meddler in that in both of those, the Doctor's kind of on his own and going at the story from a different perspective than the companions are. But in the Time Meddler, the two companions are doing something the whole time. Whereas in the Ark, which I really like, apart from the beginning of both like the first half and the second half of that kind of split story, they don't do anything. No, it's a bit more about the actual, it's a bit more about the actual character, the, what are they called? The, the race of people on the actual arc and stuff, isn't it? Rather than the. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's an allegory more than anything, Mm. isn't it? Realistically. Agree with that. Actually, I think it's more. It's it's a great little sci-fi story in two bits. I always thought the the arc. Oh yeah, for sure. That split in the middle really kind of gives it um, like a refresh in the middle of a. You know, mm. it's only a four-part story. It's already not very long. But just to have that little um, seven hundred-year jump or whatever it is in the middle of the story kind of gives it like a fresh perspective. Definitely, I'm glad you guys like the arc. To Defend my point on Stephen not being a punchy boy. Um, in he or the uh, Peter Purvis says this in his Mythmakers interview too, that um, and I've heard it in other podcasts that for a lot of his early stories, the writers like those stories were already written before he was cast, and they were written mm-hmm. for Ian and Barbara, and so he kind of has mm-hmm. to split his time between between what would have been Ian's lines and what would have been Barbara's lines. And so Peter Purvis even complains, like there's a story where he gets captured and he doesn't put up any kind of fight. He's just like, okay, let's go. And he's like, Stephen wouldn't ever do that. No. But because this story was written as Barbara being kidnapped, Mm. 
he just kind of has to succumb. And so he doesn't feel like he ever got much like, I mean, this is kind of a ongoing story for actors who played companions in 60s Doctor Who is that the character they were initially told they were going to play is not what the character ended up being during their time on the show. And so that's why I say Stephen falls into the women category is because a lot of what he does in the stories is like the traditional role of the adult woman companion up to this point. That sounds like... Yeah, I was going to say, that story you mentioned sounds like Galaxy 4. But I'm sure, I'm pretty sure there's a bit in Galaxy 4 where he ends up getting captured by what they call the Dra... Is it the Dravins? I saw her in something the other day, but anyway. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, there is a bit where he ends up getting captured by the Dravins and then he tries to escape eventually. Like, come on, Stephen. Like, you, you wouldn't do that. And then I'm sure he ends up running into a chumbly as well. Oh, they're, they're, they're like, they're cute and really scary at the same time. Like a pating. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand where, you, where you're coming from now, but even so, I think... I do think it's a bit of your influence a little that's rubbed off on me about liking Stephen so much, but it's also <laughs> Big Finish has a lot to say because Stephen gets a good arc in Big Finish as opposed to what happened on the TV. Oh, that's good. Is it... Um, so, like, his last story, I can't remember the name of it, but he's kind of left on this planet to help with the rebuilding? Yeah, the Savages, savages. that would yeah. be. Um, are there hmm. Big Finish that take place on that planet where he's part of that yeah because i know he eventually mm. like becomes the king or something that's the yes. thing a few of them flash back but then most uh, a lot of them carry on don't they lou mm, yeah there's the what's it called there's a few that have got his i think it's his granddaughter in it they are really good stories that tell you an awful lot about about steven yeah no i was gonna say return of the rocket men oh is yeah worthwhile if you want to know about his earlier life if you've not heard it already of course no, and I'm actually I'm always kind of like reticent to do a big finish that doesn't have a doctor in it. And even though like I have a couple of the unit seasons, I haven't listened to them and stuff like I I really should be more into those, but I just kind of I'm not going to start because they're genuinely one of my favorite big finish series is the unit set. So I'm not going to start. I'll listen. I got them as part of like a a humble bundle on their site. And yeah. so I got a whole bunch, but I got to get into them here. So there is a large jump between the top five companions and the bottom six as far as how many points our Twitter friends gave them. Um, okay. And the next one is kind of, it, there is a huge jump, but this one's still pretty low compared to the rest. A uh, couple second place votes, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. It's Zoe Harriet. Yeah, I had I had her six on mine. I had her five. I put Zoe quite um. low. But that's because probably I've put Victoria quite high and I've always... I do like Zoe, I do. But I think possibly companions I like more, perhaps. I don't know. No offence, I mean, I've met Wendy. I love Wendy Padbury. She's a legend. I I think if you like one, you tend to like one over the other. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Really, it's a bit like... You tend to either like Zoe or... Victoria, and it depends who you like more as to where you put them. But that's no reflection on Zoe, because I do really, I do like Zoe. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's Zoe six on mine, and Victoria seven. So there's not a <laughs> way. Oh man, I, I have errors six on mine too. 
Oh, well, there you go. That's good. Well, and at the time of making this list, Alex and I had just finished watching The Invasion uh. for our Zoe episode. And she's fantastic in that one. So we might have had a little bit of recency bias, but uh, I think she's my second highest of kind of the the younger girls, the younger girl companion of the 60s. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's I think it's because she's paired with Jamie. It works quite well to have and no disrespect to him at all. He, he, he is played as much less intelligent, like educationally. So having someone like Zoe paired off with him, it works quite well. And I think it's the combination of characters you get as opposed to the characterization itself, although that is good too. Well, I think it works better for like Fraser Hines' kind of natural comedic ability. Whereas when he's yeah. with Victoria and he's kind of having to be the big brother and kind of more more of the person who knows what's going on compared to her, it uh, yeah. kind of takes away from his ability to be more of like his natural self. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the, th- the thing I've always found with Jamie and Zoe is more like, they're more sibling-like. Yeah. It's more like little sister and big brother or whatever. It's like me and my brothers, in yeah. effect. Whereas I find, he, uh, you you obviously know Jamie as a bit of a thing for Victoria, doesn't he? I mean, that, that, it's, it's very, very sweet. Well, and I think Fraser also kind of had a thing for Victoria. <laughs> or for uh, Deborah, I mean. <laughs> what was the first story we watched with them? Anyway, in the DVD special features for one of their stories, she gives Fraser Hines a real hard time for just hitting on any guest actor or any female guest actor that was going to be on the show. He was immediately uh, sliding up to him with the yeah, old, the how old, you doing? The old Tomb of the Cybermen <laughs> one is funny for that. Because obviously, obviously Shirley Cooklin was married to Peter Bryant. The, uh, was he the producer at the time, I think? Script at something like, no, Jerry Davis was script at, I can't remember. Anyway, and yeah, yeah Fraser decided it was a great idea. Yeah, great hit on her. Nice one, Fraser. <laughs> Oh, uh, serves you right. <laughs> yeah, she she would show up and like every week to pick up her husband because that was like their date night, and they'd go out to eat after. And so she'd met Fraser Hines loads of times, but now she's all maked up and haired up, and I think she had some bronzer on because she was a little darker tone to her skin, and uh, he's just sidled right up to her. <laughs> 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 But yeah, by the single scene that pops into my head for Zoe that makes me like her so much, not just like, um, you know, in the invasion. Yeah, there's the scene where she does the uh, computations to take out all the Cybermen ships. Mm. She does it really fast and she's I, helping out all these guys. I and like that one. They're immediately all in love with her and want her to like be part of the team. But at the end, when the doctors like sat on his backside in the middle of an alley and he goes, it's in there. Go destroy the thing. And all the unit soldiers take off to go do that. Zoe's with them, and she's the first one to take off. And she gets to wear tennis shoes, and she's just like – she's in her cat suit for no reason. Uh, but she's <laughs> but she's like part of the, the unit team, and she's running around like doing action-y stuff. And she's the first one to jump up and start running. And so it's – she's not just like really good at math or maniacally laughing as she destroys a computer. <laughs> that's that's the scene I think of <laughs> when she's killing that uh, like welcome machine. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, that is funny. That laugh is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, number four, another big jump in the numbers. 
the highest of the teenage female companions. Oh. It's Vicky. No last name. See, I had her down as as ten. Um, what? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, I, I right, what Vicky? Did, I watched the rescue and I watched the time meddler, and that's all I've seen of her. And the rescue very much is. She's really good in it because it's only two episodes. The first part is her panicking a lot, and then the second part is her getting very upset with Barbara for killing her pet, and then oh. going, "Oh, I'll, I'll go with you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, time Miller, she's very good in, but I think it's more that I hadn't seen a lot of her episodes. Yeah. I've got her as number four, like just outside of oh, the enough. obvious top three. Oh, I also have four. I mean, not so obvious for you guys who put yeah. Steven in your top two. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we did our Vicky episode, we did The Rescue, and then we put to Twitter, like, what's the most Vicky story? Because we couldn't do her final story because it doesn't exist. Um, yeah. mm. and it's obviously space museum because she like organizes a coup, but Twitter voted for the Romans. So we watched the Romans, which is awesome, oh, it was really but good. she's barely in it and doesn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. There, I'm sure there's a scene in the Romans. Isn't there a scene where is she with William Hartnell at some point and doesn't, doesn't she, is that a thing? I know he does. He likes smacking yes. people with heavy. He's like bashing a bloke with a shovel and stuff. It's like, what the hell? You madman. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that scene. So she also like inadvertently saves Barbara by becoming friends with the emperor's poison maker. Oh. And oh, so yeah, she yeah. manages to switch some glasses to make it so Barbara's not going to get poisoned. But apart from those, she just lives in the emperor's castle and everyone just, like, accepts that. And she's kind of apart from the story. But as they're walking around, everyone's like, oh, hold there. Oh, never mind, it's Vicky. Go ahead, Vicky. <laughs> like, yeah. She's just immediately everyone's <laughs> best friend. <laughs> well, Ian and Barbara are having, like, the most harrowing experience. Yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, sold into slaves, or as slaves, and, you know, Ian has to murder hundreds of people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> As he's wanting to do. Every second yeah. of it. Every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to him in a little bit. But the reason I have Vicky so high is because, you know, she's kind of like the the character Susan could have been if Caroline Ford wasn't told that Susan was supposed to be weird. And so <clears throat> she plays Susan as weird in that first story, and then she's never written that way again. But in Carol Ann Ford's mind, that's what the character is. So she goes extra weird on totally normal situations because she's told she's supposed to be this unearthly child. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't work with the stories because they're not written that way. And then Vicky shows up and it's all of a sudden like this lighthearted, bright character that's just fun, whereas Susan was never fun. <laughs> um, that's fair to be honest it's a lot of Susan doing this that or the other it's never heard just having fun I think from what I've seen at least especially in um, uh, Time Meddler she does have a lot she just mm. wants to go out and explore like, let's do this let's do you know and like chasing down the monk and everything it's not, um, yeah, you can't really see Susan doing that. You see Susan asking the Doctor what she should do. 
It's a, I can see the point, really. Are there any good Vicky Big Finish Ooh. stories? Uh, I've heard there's one... What is it? First set of the Companion Chronicle... F- um, what is it called? Ah. Oh, God, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's... um. Uh, Frostfire. I don't think I've listened to that. There's one, like... I genuinely can't remember Remember if it's Ian and Barbara and Vicky or Stephen. I think it's Ian, Barbara and Vicky, where they're in this city and it's all about and stuff. And I genuinely can't remember what it's called. Yes, Unwinding World. Yeah. I've listened to that, but not for ages. In terms of any others, I'm trying to think. I meant to ask this a little earlier. Are there any 60s or like First Doctor and Second Doctor Big Finish companions that are exclusive to Big Finish? Yes, because we're doing one in a couple of weeks. Oh. <laughs> um, not to, like, give away any spoilers. But this will come out a month out after yours does. This is, like, six weeks <laughs> yeah, away. <laughs> so we're doing um, Oliver Harper. Oh, yeah. That's who it now, was. Yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you two... I know you watch a lot of UK comedy, Jake. Uh, do you know um, Tom Allen, the comedian Tom Allen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Oh, cool. So he he plays Oliver Harper, and like, it took me forever to realise it was him. Um, but we're good because he's only got a, he's just a trilogy and that's it so it's going to be a relatively short episode but uh, we're debating whether we should try and get in contact and say do you fancy giving us some thoughts on having done a big finish years ago I'm not sure if there's any others I, um, I know Oliver Harper but what, what about um, Thomas no Thomas Brewster was sixth wasn't he yeah ooh on the TARDIS wiki um, Oliver was the only person I saw that they listed as like being an audio yeah. companion for either the first or second Doctor. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I think because the, the companion they had, who they expanded on, was Sam. I think more or less. I don't think there's any other new companions that I can think of, anyway. Okay, so number three, pretty surprising to me that they're this far down. With 80, so this person landed in 80% of the top fives of the people that responded on Twitter, which we got a fair few responses. Ooh. Uh, Jamie McCrimmon, number three. I was going to say, he's he's two on mine. <laughs> Bro, that is a surprise, to be honest. Yeah. He's, he's, he's top on mine. Yeah, well, we, we knew he wasn't going to be top on mine. Just because <laughs> obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, I have him number one also. I had him third. But if you would have asked me, you know, two months ago when we were watching First Doctor stuff, I probably would have had Ian number one. But right now, Alex and I are firmly entrenched in season six. And so it's it's I I do blame a little recent recency bias on this one. (laughs) But (laughs) what's not fair, I think. But yeah, exactly. It's it's I think. Am I right in saying he's still the longest running? He's done the most episodes, at least. The most episodes. I think Clara ended up being a greater time uh, distance, yeah. but because they had like a, a big break in the middle there. Yeah, I, well, the thing is, it's it's the fact that he's done so much. Fraser has done so much Big Finish as well. So he was one of the first I listened to, and I've listened to so much Jamie and the second Doctor Big Finish. And it's the... I, I'm not to like go off on one, but it's... 
is not just a comedy character when he very easily could be. He's loyal within reason, but still questions things. He's He's got a proper like arc of learning and wanting to... He's not just stuck. I think if you had a character from the past be a companion, it could very easily be there. Look at them in the modern times. Look how funny they are for not knowing what it is. Whereas he tries to learn and he tries to get better each everywhere they go. You do have the big flying beastie scenes or you know look at the size of that one that sort of thing <laughs> yeah um which is always funny no matter when it is but um i it just there's so many different aspects to him because he was on there for so long and because you you can't think of the second doctor without thinking of jamie with him mm. i think that's why he's like so important at least in my eyes because every each episode he changes more to the person he is in the war games is very different to the person he was at the start of the Highlanders. Not that, you know, we've seen it, but, you know, one day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, as you were kind of saying, Fraser Hines doing a whole bunch of big finish. He is also on a ton of the DVDs. He goes to conventions. He's a huge ambassador for the show. And Mm -hmm. it's just nice to have somebody who's that engaged with it, who comes from, you know, near the beginning. Exactly. I think it's, this is going to be a very embarrassing thing for me to admit now. I've told Lily before. Because I I don't watch soaps or anything like that, I didn't realise Fraser Hines wasn't a Scotsman for the longest time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, to be fair, I just assumed did... he was a Scotsman. Yeah, to be fair, my brother didn't know until I met Fraser at a convention and told him. And Nick was like, what, he's not Scottish? I was like, no. That's <laughs> and, fair. I don't, it's like for ages. I didn't know <laughs> Janet Fielding was Australian. He does such Australian. a good patch out as well. Yeah. Because, like, most of the other companions, oh, like, yeah. Fraser's not really Scottish, is he? Nicola's not really American. I genuinely didn't realise Janet Fielding was American, actually Australian. Yeah. I was like, what? Revelation here. I'm trying to... I'm, I'm positive there's plenty of people that, you know... Or, like, uh, before House started here, I'd never heard of Hugh Laurie. I, w- I wasn't into oh. that. Oh, I love, I love that. House. I love the fact that, no, and no disrespect to you at all, but I love the fact there's a load of Americans who oh, think he's an American. Tons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's like the first time you see an interview and then you hear about like... Um, Fry and Laurie. Yeah, Fry and Laurie. What do you hear about those? You go back and look and you're like, oh, this dude who's like the most serious of serious actors is actually just a big fucking goofball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Going back to the actual point of Jamie and not all the other actors. But yeah, I really like Jamie. The thing is, he's, I think he's obviously he's at the top of my list, but I think he is my favourite. And I think it's more Big Finish influence than the stories I've seen. But they're, not that there aren't comedy moments, because when they do lean properly into the funny side of it, it's hilarious. But he plays the serious parts so well as well. And the goodbye between him and Victoria in Fury, even if it's animated, you can't see anything. Just from the voices alone, you can hear like the emotion in it. Mm. I think he plays him so well. Yeah. But it's just like, I'm, I mean, I am going to let one of you speak about the character, and not just me. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, I think because he's he's on so much of the Second Doctor's era, I think my favorite '60s stories. On a like he's in more of them than any other companion, but my top top favorites are Ian and Barbara stories, and so I I 
if I had to choose between one or the other, it'd be very, very hard. And I think that's why it's clear that those three companions are always going to be the top three in some order. And as these votes came in, you know, they, the three of them kept flip-flopping. So it could have come down to any of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I like, um, to me, uh, Jamie, he's in my third spot as well. Um, and kind of looking at him and Ian, uh, the only reason I put Ian a little bit higher than Jamie was because Ian had like the reason, the reasoning, because he was from kind of the modern era when he was on the show, which Jamie, he's from, you know, the far past. So he, like, he doesn't just have that, like, know how and thought of how things should be. Cause like Ian would actually argue with the doctor on like ways to do things. And I don't, I don't, I, I haven't seen Jamie do that with the doctor, like insert his own like thoughts on how things should be done. So that's the only reason, like they're both super great and like huge pillars yeah. uh, as far as like the, the male companions. But yeah. That's fair enough to be honest. He is, he's more loyal like in in the way that he is, and B, he's not yeah. very questioning. Yeah, he. But that's he's what in. that's what I like about the difference is he doesn't know, but he learns. Whereas Ian knows already. Right. Yeah. But I can see what you mean. Yeah. It's it's obviously it's personal preference, but it's like you know, it's what you want to see from a companion is which which part of it you prefer. I think two two scenes <clears throat> when thinking about Jamie really stand out to me, and I think it encapsulates his entire character. And the first is in the invasion when the doctor and jamie are about to be picked up by the unit soldiers and they realize they have nowhere to go and they just sit down and start playing cards and the doctor just starts dealing and jamie kind of kneels behind him and just falls right into place and starts like nodding and all that it's just hilarious and it's a great comedy act that the two of them are doing and it wouldn't work with any other doctor companion duo than them and then the other day i watched the first episode of the dominators and the you know the doctor and team show up they see somebody get murdered and so they run into the building to warn everyone else and they're immediately cap like grabbed by security and jamie says to the lead guy oh you wouldn't be so tough if you didn't have all these guys around and so the lead security guy goes okay <laughs> let him go just me and you one-on-one -on -one. and he pulls out an axe and then the doctor's like no no jamie don't do this and jamie's like don't worry doctor it's fine and then one of the other security guys tries handing jamie an axe to make it fair and he goes don't need it <laughs> and then proceeds to beat the hell out of this guy <laughs> and it's the best that's amazing reminds me a bit. yeah it reminds me if i was watching the war games the other day because we we're watching the war games in my house and we were on I think it's like episode four or something. And the amount of guys Jamie's just like pug kicked or whatever. It's like, what? It's like, all right, calm <laughs> yep. down. And uh, I mean, he, he threw, what did he do? He threw a guy off a horse and then nicked his horse. I was like, yes, Fraser. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number two, as voted on by our Twitter friends, once my notes pop back up again. Number two, we only have two people left. He was on everybody's top five except for one person. It's Ian Chesterton. 60s punchy boy, numero uno. Yeah, he's in my top five. I don't know what it says about me. I was expecting that. These up first two to be the other way around, but there you go. I think out of Ian and Barbara, I was expecting Barbara to be first. Um, Fair enough. 
I put her second ahead or behind Jamie and then Ian third. But mm-hmm. yeah, again, these top three could be in any order and it wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all. I've put Ian and Barbara at four and five, respectively. Yeah, Ian number one, number one Ian, Ian boy. <laughs> <laughs> I detailed Jamie's big uh, punchy boy scene that I saw. My favorite Ian punchy boy scene is when they first show up in Aztec? the Aztecs. Yeah, um, It's been determined that Barbara's their god. And so the one priest says to Ian, oh, well, as our god's um, man, you must lead our armies. You'll have to fight our army leader. And the doctor steps in. He's like, no, 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 that's fine. You your guy can lead the army. And then Ian goes, no, no, doctor, it's cool. I got this. <laughs> and just, just proceeds to murder people. Throws them off the temple or whatever. He's like, ah, oh, it's been almost a whole day since I've killed somebody. So, you know what? I'm going I'm to go find this guy. Yeah, because so he has wild. a big old fight with Ixtar, doesn't he, in that? I'm sure that Yeah, he throws him off the, off the, the temple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was yeah it was wild and he had like the 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 bird helmet and all the feathers and yeah. stuff so it looked badass my my favorite part of the first doctor's era is apart from that fight it's like the first time they get it right all of ian's fights are completely silent like they oh, yeah. they don't make any noise <laughs> there's no like added in punch sounds like you get in modern television and so they're just silent for like 45 seconds as the actors just like <laughs> hold each other's around. wrists yeah. and move back and forth. But what you get then is like the pure concentration of Ian wanting to murder <laughs> yeah. this person, not making a sound. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Any big finish Ian stories we should really kind of keep an eye out on? Some of the best ones? I'm going to see if I've still got it. One of the first ones I was ever bought, not, I didn't even. Like have it on my phone or anything at this point. I'm really young. They did a first Doctor Lost story set with Farewell Great Macedon on it, which is Alexander the Great. Oh, That's yes. very good. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that name again. Uh, it's well, they did do it as a free one, but it might not be available. It's called Farewell Great Macedon, but it's part of the first Doctor Lost stories box set. Okay. Which I think it's a six part, and it's them meeting Alexander the Great. Out, like as they know he's going to die and it's really like really good because they all get something mm. different to do but I'm just going to see if there's uh, I mean he's good in Susan's War he's good in the first episode of Susan's War he's good like older Ian but still okay. very good I didn't know he was in that he's in the very first episode so the first episode of Susan's War is the one that's the sequel to the Sensorites so they get Ian back but like instead of being Ian wants to go and punch everyone and murder everyone. It's very much like more reserved and thoughtful, right? Mostly, and um, it's 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 quite it's quite a nice balance of seeing like what he was when you listen to an older one and what he is when they've got Ian as he is now, as it were. So by more reserved, you mean he waits until the second day to murder everybody? (laughs) 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 In that one, essentially, yeah. Yeah, no, I'd recommend the Rocket Men if it's relationship piece between Ian and Barbara. And there's another one that's on the tip of my tongue that I can't remember. Damn. I mean, 
if if you can find it, there's a novel called uh, The Face of the Enemy, Ooh. which is technically a third yes. Doctor and Joe Grant, except they're not in it at all. It's <laughs> Roger Delgado's master with Ian and Barbara. I own Ooh. that. Oh, wow. It's really, yeah. And I think there's, I can't remember exactly, but it's... Um, Something along the lines of, oh, hello, I'm Ian. Here's my wife, Barbara. And it's like really, really yes. nicely done. <laughs> that's, just a, that's, that's just a thing we know was a thing. Like, they totally did get married because they did yeah. so there. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a thing. Right, it just yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, There's it... all the bits in, like, Sarah Jane Adventures and they start, and they're a couple. Every time they mention them, it's yes. definitely a couple. Go back and watch the Romans and tell me they didn't spend a month just going at it. <laughs> like, there's a reason Vicky wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Just taking breaks to eat grapes. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, well, it's tough to talk about one without the other. So, number one, obviously, again, only one person didn't vote for her at all. She never had a single, or she only had one vote that was below third place. Hmm. It's Barbara. Barbara, Barbara Wright. It's it's hard when you have someone set the bar so hard. It's she <laughs> she's just great. Mm. Well, and it's interesting. Alex and I talked about this a little bit that she's an adult woman in sixties Doctor Who, which sets her apart. Like we kind of count Polly as being an adult woman because she is in her twenties. She's independent. We don't see. We don't see her, like, talk about her parents or anything. Like, she is a woman, but she's 20. She's not, you know, Barbara's probably in her 30s, early to mid-30s. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it's something that Doctor Who doesn't really go back to. You know, they try with Liz Shaw and immediately abandon that ship. And then, <laughs> you know, it's it's something that doesn't really seem that they attempt with, you know, very few exceptions really ever again. Yeah. I think most classic companions, they are, they hit a certain age and they don't go higher. Mm. That's a fair point. I think at the same time, if they tried, like you said, with Liz Shaw, who we, by the time this goes out, will hopefully have done an episode on anyway. Um, she's the only one I can think of because everyone else is a bit younger, but, you're going to compare them to Barbara, no matter who they are. Right. Well, and I think Sarah Jane's just about, you could say, but she's not really... When it's a one-on-one relationship between the Doctor and the Companion, it's kind of different than in this first TARDIS team. It's very much a family dynamic. It's mom and dad and the kid, and then the Doctor being the Doctor. Yeah. That's the problem. Because she does. It's a. I think it's a cross between like a mother role and the teacher that she mm. is. It's a. It's it's trying to do both. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting. There's a there's a podcast I really like called Flight Through Entirety, which is um kind of a rotating cast of Australian guys that talk about all of Doctor Who, but uh, they they're just on Matt Smith's first season right now. And they're talking about how that season is about Amy kind of throwing away her childhood and becoming a woman, like coming to terms with her imaginary friend and taking yeah. the step to marrying Rory and starting a family with him. And so it made me think about the 60s companions. And in that podcast, they were comparing 
you know, Amy's journey to the Narnia books and how um, Susan in that, once she becomes a woman, she's no longer allowed to go to Narnia. And so, like, once she starts thinking about wearing makeup and being pretty and thinking about boys in the later book, she doesn't go. She's not allowed. And that's yeah. kind of what happens in 60s Doctor Who with Susan and Vicky in that once they mature out of childhood, they're just married off. So once they kind of reach womanhood where they're ready to have a relationship with a man, then they can't be on the TARDIS anymore. That's a fair, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. I, I hadn't either until I listened to their podcast and it was just got me thinking because that's where we were kind of talking about 60s companions and it's super interesting that thought that i had <laughs> i'm really patting no, myself it, on the back it here it does make sense <laughs> no that's a fair point yeah or even with like later on down the line like with people like leela where they've had they've got to a certain point in their development and they go okay well that, that's that then that's them done so yeah well as barbara comes a bit f- like fully formed for one of a better phrase. She is her own woman. She doesn't. She has changes. She learns things, but it's not like Jamie where he learns actually like education. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. She's already got all of that, and she's just like learning to live with the situation she's in more than anything. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. There are like our favorite companions from the sixties: Ian, Barbara, Jamie. They don't really have individual story arcs they don't have like they are all kind of fully realized realized people you know kind Mm. of like martha is in new who where like she's she doesn't need the doctor to kind of like come to terms with who she is like rose does Mm -hmm. or like donna does but uh those those are the kind of characters that we complain about in new who like in in series 12 um ryan and graham their story was already told in series 11 so there's not really anything for them to do and that is kind of why they leave in series 12 and uh yeah stays but they're on for an extra season for really no reason i'm gonna make that point every week with you (laughs) (laughs) i've already made it in like the last two weeks you put one out but yeah yeah i think it's always hardest to talk about the companions that are our favorites because the reason they're great is because they're great and they don't really need anything beyond that. And so I think it's interesting that when talking about Barbara, we just talked about how boring Ryan and Graham are in series 12. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, that's the thing. If they're so good, you can't help but compare other people to them. Yeah. Right. And especially that dynamic of kind of like a couple of, you know, older is not really the right word. They're 30 or whatever, but, yeah. It is easily easy to compare to the current or formerly current TARDIS team of like an older man and two younger adults still. But just that dynamic of the adults and the child that they they try running with through most of the first Doctor's era, um, that they never really come back to that. I, the thing is, I think now if they you try to, but they've tried to do it, I've, I'm sure, I think I've had the discussion with you uh and you've had it on the podcast about when they've tried to bring kids into modern who it doesn't work that well very often right and we we as a society might be beyond the 22 year old playing the 14 year old yeah yeah that's a 
Yeah, I mean, it's no disrespect to child actors. They can all, they, most of them can do incredible jobs, but I don't think it would work as well on Who, because you'd all, especially now where it's, it would have to be a family dynamic thing again. Like, like maybe literally work. a family yeah. going yeah. with the Doctor. Which is kind of what they tried with Ryan and Graham, but even so. Right. But again, like a 25-year-old and his grandfather <laughs> instead of... Yeah, it's not not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, Susan's meant to be a teenager. I think if you had anyone who's a teenager now, it would... Yeah, it, society where we are now ha- has an opinion of teenagers. So it would <laughs> yeah. have to be... It wouldn't work necessarily as well as in the 60s where... Even in the 60s where it was, they've just begun the idea of rebellious teenagers. It wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. Doctor Who missed the uh, the Stranger Things kids. They would have been <laughs> great teenager actors on the show. <laughs> That's a fair point. What, Jake, when you were talking about uh, Barbara in, in the role that she had where uh, she's like a teacher, but then also kind of like the caregiver of like the group... Um, I was trying to think of another companion that kind of maybe fulfills that in, uh, like, New Who. Like, so it's not like a TARDIS team. So Clara, she is a teacher. She also, in a lot of her stories, is taking care of people. Um, and so she's not really like a young girl running around with a guy in a box. It's like she is kind of like a caregiver in her own way, but then is also like super reckless. Well, yeah, and a liar. And, <laughs> and a liar and just kind of terrible. But I, I think that's a product more of when that character was created because it's like the year of the 50th anniversary. She's those like her being a teacher is specifically a reference to Ian and Barbara. And so they can have Cole Hill School in that story. Mm. And I, I think kind of starting her out as a nanny is gearing up towards that. Um, so I don't know if it really has a whole lot to do with what we end up seeing in her character, right? Just so much as a reference they want to make because it's the fiftieth year. I do want to say to kind of my headphones are going insane. To kind of answer my own <laughs> question about why they don't try that child dynamic again, three of the four female children from the sixties are the bottom three voted on this list. So I think that in That's itself true. is the answer. It's because they couldn't get it right. It was bad. That's, yeah, I think that's a fair point, to be honest. It's, um, like, I, I'm still surprised how low Susan came, but I can see where people are coming from. And it's trying to get the age and having them acting that age without ha- that being grating and that being... Like, why are they being so childish when they are meant to be a child? It's right. trying to have not a child who doesn't act too old or vice versa. I think they almost got away with it with Courtney and Peter Capaldi's doctor in that she was kind of abrasive and a smart ass. But Capaldi's so doctor, the doctor. <laughs> right. But he like respected that and was kind of yeah. like, oh, I like you because you're a dick. <laughs> and teenagers are just dicks. That's how it works. That's the thing. You you would have to, if you had a, a teenage companion now, you would have to make them like so dickish to be able to get them to fit into what we think. Yeah. And then that once or twice in the series, that'd be, oh, that makes sense. Every single episode. 
it would be quite irritating. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you'd just get annoyed, wouldn't you? You'd just be like, no, go away, child. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But we have seen it done well with not a teenager, but a slightly younger kid in the in the movies. Like, that Susan is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, oh, uh, yeah, Roberta Tovey. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. That's because that's probably. I'm not even sure we mentioned Peter her very much in our Susan episode. Just yeah. when you read my tweet. No, I don't think we did. <laughs> yeah. he, no, Peter Cushing's more the kind of sort of nice. He's like the nice grandfatherly alternative to William Hartnell, isn't he? <laughs> more or less. Also, he's a legend that is Peter Cushing. Right. So it's like, yeah. And I tried expressing in my tweet, and I didn't do a very good job, that it, it feels like they come from the same family in mm. the movie the mm. peter cushing and that version of susan not necessarily that he raised her but that he mm. was around and they just kind of have like this ease together that i don't think you ever see in the tv show no do you think because susan is older in the tv show or rather because she is a little bit compared to what oh yeah yeah that girl's like nine years old or something yeah the dynamic is quite different Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last thing I want when in my tweets to you guys about Susan, I mentioned I really wanted to see a regeneration. I worded that yeah. poorly. I don't mean I want Susan to have a regeneration. I meant I want Carol Ann Ford to have some kind of closure with the show. I think. Yeah. I don't think it really works for the character, and I don't. I don't need it. It doesn't really matter. But I do want Carol Ann Ford to be on the show in some way before. You know, not to be terrible, but before she dies. Yeah, that's that's the thing is I would like to see that, even if it's just for like a single episode. If if I I mean, what's it? What, what are we now? Twenty two years time, it will be the sixtieth. Yeah. So even if they bring her back just for like they did with Tom Baker in the fiftieth, just do do that with a few odd people, mm. I'd be happy with that. It just needs yeah, to and be done. I've been saying that for a while that what I would like for the fiftieth or the sixtieth, if they do anything, they don't really need to. Yeah. But instead of a whole bunch of old doctors, bring just load up old companions, just as many as you can. Yes. Just find some dumb way bring to bring back Katie Manning to the main show. And, I'm just yeah. <laughs> yes. bring back, Every, I mean, that everybody who's able and willing. Just find some way to squeeze them in. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do like that mm-hmm, comic definitely. book story with Adam where he kidnaps all the companions and the doctor has to go save them Ooh, all. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Because that actor is a terrible yeah, person. Yeah, <laughs> about that. Oh, yes. the better. That, no, that would be good, yeah, actually. <laughs> that would be. Yeah, create some dumb monster. Make it be the trickster or something. Oh, no, that would be good. That is something I would watch, properly watch, is like bring back the trickster from Sarah Jane, so you've got a reference to Sarah Jane in there as well. And maybe, like, other kids. This is not the podcast at all, this is just rambling. <laughs> yep. Yeah, needs to be a bit like the five doctors, where they all just get kicked. Yeah, and even though that story's stuck in this terrible. random place, it's like... <laughs> yeah, every time you see a companion in that story, it's like, oh, great. And even though they, like, specifically can't reference that Susan's related to the doctor, because um, the producer didn't want them to, you, it's still great to see her. I mean, she sprains her ankle on nothing, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do really have a soft spot for that I story, I love that to be story. Oh. Yeah, so do I. I mean, if only for the scene where, like, Turlow turns around and goes, like, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to die. And that's all it's just the most depressing thing in the world. Yeah, like it's just like, no thanks, Turlow, you no-hoper. What's the matter? 
lighten up, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we we have taken up an incredible amount of your time, and you guys are super generous. Um, just quick before we go, were there any anything on this list that was like a wild surprise or something that uh, you want to bring up again that you didn't get a chance to? Oh, so one thing I will say quickly. I think it's a shame that some of his best, well, some of the best stories supposedly that he's in are all missing, namely the massacre and crap. What's the one that's in my brain? Anyway, the massacre was one anyway, which is one of his historical <laughs> ones, which is supposed to be very good. I will say that the audio on its own, even with recons, is quite difficult because there's a lot of characters that you don't see it that don't do what they're supposed to tricky but i think it's that i think that's the shame is that a, a few of his stories that are considered to be some of his best ones anymore thank you bbc <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully and i don't quite understand i the reason why they're specifically just doing second doctor animations right now and i i would guess it's because they want to fill out complete seasons so they can do the box sets um would make sense but I, I hope we're all still around by the time they oh, get to I those so. first Doctor stories oh, and we yeah, can see yeah. animations of the massacre and Marco Polo and stuff like that. Definitely Marco Polo. That would be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, take a break, guys. Do some first Doctor. Go back to the second Doctor. Come on. When they've just like announced surreptitiously in a magazine, I don't know they're doing what abominable snowmen and is it Evil of the Daleks? I think they're doing as well. Yeah, I think you're right. It's good, and we want them, but you know, there are plenty of other ones they could have, they could be doing. Yeah, and I think it's just because there's less missing with the Second Doctor. Is that right? That they're just trying to fill in all those gaps, and there definitely is now. Yeah, yeah, they're and they're certainly not doing like, oh, these are the ones most anticipated because clearly they would have done other stories. I don't think anyone was really jonesing for a Fury from the Deep. After seeing the couple well, of clips I was that exist, into that, and that was surprisingly like people were surprisingly excited for that. Uh, oh, you know, fair enough. Watching I mean, on the DVD okay. the couple of clips that exist, I mm. really want to see that. Like that, that set looked yeah. insane. I, yeah, like it gets a lot of crap for all the foam and the seaweed monster, but I thought it looked incredible. Yeah, it's. I just love the fact that the. I think was it was it the Australian whichever senses it was took out that scene of them screaming because they thought it was too scary, and now that's the only scene that we can watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Oh, um, yeah, Mister, what's it, Mister Quill, and what's his name? They're terrifying. Oh, that is, oh yeah, that is yeah. scary. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That is that is creepy. They had like black <laughs> ink in their mouth. Yeah, and it was. Oh yeah, that was those gross. poor guys had to chew yeah. on those oh. like capsules of that <laughs> black stuff. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> For our next podcast, Alex. Yeah, we're going into the seventies. We've got a new doctor. We've got new companions. We've got color. We're gonna have a new producer. We're gonna have the master. Eventually. This is almost like a <laughs> like a whole new reboot. It literally is. Yeah. Um and maybe we'll talk to Ollie and Lily about coming back to rank the seventh or the seventies companions. It's a little harder because there isn't a delineation point between the seventies and eighties like there is between the sixties and seventies. Mm. But only seven companions. 
they do tend to hang on. There's smaller TARDIS teams, you know, with one very obvious exception. It's kind of just one <laughs> companion and the Doctor most of the time. Yeah. Um, but that's what we have to look forward to. Our next podcast is going to be Liz Shaw. We're going to watch her first story, Spearhead from Space, and her final story, The Inferno. I'm half myself, Jake, my brother Alex, and our guests, Ollie and Lily. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time for Liz Shaw. Beauty. <laughs>